Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. In today's show, we chat with Major League Fishing Pro James Elam. Aside from the usual shenanigans that we always do, we dive deep into fishing the summer to fall transition with James. So we actually have some good fishing information for you guys this week. Uh, also a couple of housekeeping items that I forgot to mention while we were doing the actual show. Uh, we do have the contest still running for the Revo X spinning reel. Uh, we had some awesome reviews on iTunes this week, so thank you all. Uh, thank everyone who did that so far. And to enter, that's all you have to do. Go on iTunes, leave us a rating and review, and uh, you'll be entered to win the reel. We're going to announce that next week. And uh, on one other note, we're also offering 15% off of uh, any guide trip that you do with Rob or I through the Arizona Fishing Guides this fall. So um, if you're interested in a guide trip coming out to Arizona or maybe you already live out here, Hit us up for that. Um, you can hit us up directly or contact the Arizona Fishing Guides. Hope you guys enjoy the show. I'm just wondering if you guys remember where you were 19 years ago today. Do you remember? Oh, yeah, man. Absolutely. Today is. It's uh, it's 9-11, and absolutely, man. We can, we can get right into that. How about you, Nick? Do you remember, man? Oh, I 100% do, man. I was in eighth grade, and uh, I remember waking up. I lived in Wyoming at the time. And, uh, dude, we were in rural podunk, nowhere, Wyoming. So we had a satellite dish and the only news we would get was from the big dog. So we got LA or New York city. And I remember like my mom and dad always would watch the news in the morning. Like everyone does. And, uh, it was just, it was surreal, man. Like I went to school after the second plane had hit and everything was still just like pandemonium. Like there was no, no one knew what the heck was going on. And uh, I remember um, <laughs> I had a Spanish teacher named Mr. Sailor. And uh, somewhere, hopefully, Mr. Sailor's living on because he was amazing, dude. He had the most, he had the Kenny Powers mullet. Long, flowing, blonde, curly mullet. And, dude, we called him Cactus Arm because when he would walk through the hall, he was like, his upper torso was moving in step with his legs. Dude, Scott oh, yeah. Sailor thought he was like guy. the Earth's gift to mankind. Like, he had so much confidence. <laughs> Oh, wow. Oh, dude, he was, he was. He had some pizzazz. Dude, I shouldn't put him on blast, but suffice to say, he's kind of a tool. And so I remember, dude, (laughs) us being in there and we were like, bro, like all of the students are like, this is crazy. Like they're saying the towers are going to come down. Like, and he, I remember him just being defiant about it, dude. Like, no, they're not. No, they're not. And when we were in his class, dude, is actually when they came down. And I remember seeing this man of just like confidence. Dude, he had a moment like we all like everyone nationwide did. I mean, it was just yep. like a throat punch, dude. So yeah, it was it was crazy, man. What about you guys? Where were you 19 years ago? I actually uh, had my truck and boat hooked up. I was getting ready to leave for a Bassmaster tournament on uh, the Hudson River in Catskills, New York. How about oh, that, dude? Yeah. Um, woke up that morning, turned the news on, started seeing stuff and just kind of sat there with my wife and the kids woke up and um i ended up just not going that day because we didn't i mean you just you didn't know what was going on right yeah, um, yeah and they ended up canceling the tournament thank goodness um but i remember that day like we uh my wife didn't go to work and uh i think my mom stayed home and we all just kind of went and had lunch somewhere and and hung out it was just um just a weird weird feeling and i mean being that far away from new york it's amazing that obviously the whole country felt it but i can't imagine being that you know if you were in new york or in 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 those areas so just 
pretty nuts. How about you, Josh? How old were you at that time, and where were you? I think I was the same age as Nick, maybe one year younger. Yeah, and uh, just same thing, you know, just uh, you wake up and that's on the news and you go to school, not really understanding the gravity of the situation, you know, and then throughout the day you hear more and more about it. And I remember coming home and, and same thing, my dad's in the living room watching the news. And I'll never forget him saying, this is not good, Josh. This is serious. Yeah. Like anything you've ever seen on the news, this is this is very serious and bad. And, uh, dude, it was, it, it was a, a terrible time. And, uh, you know, we're thinking about everyone that was affected today. And, uh, you know, 19 years later, uh, it's a good day to really put things in perspective and all the crazy things happening in our country right now, that stuff that people are arguing about that is meaningless and, uh, and just the craziness, man, it's a good day to just, uh, not just not let those little things bother you, man. And think about what's really yeah. important for sure. Yep, yeah. for sure. I saw a Facebook post about uh, it was the transcript of a phone call from a, a gentleman to his wife who was on the flight that they ended up um, slam, slamming into the ground. It was one of the planes. Remember one of them? I can't remember if it was over Ohio. Maybe I, I feel embarrassed that I don't know that. But you know how one of them, they were able to, to, to ram it into the ground before they were you know, going to fly it into something. And man, talk about her- heroicism, like just truly like heeding the call when 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 you're up and like you had mentioned josh it it's a great perspective um alignment opportunity to just remember like you know i remember us coming together so much as a country in the the months days weeks everything following that um you know and here we are 19 years later and i don't think i don't don't know the pandemic has been difficult for everyone but i don't think you could compare it to that but it's it's a bummer we haven't rallied together more you know i hope I hope Seriously. we can maybe reflect today on that as a as a as a country and maybe maybe do some of that. So that's the sappiness for today's episode, you know. And we just think of everyone who was affected by that, and we're remembering them today. That's well Absolutely. said, man. No doubt, no doubt. Um, we've got kind of an interesting episode ahead. We've got a really good guest, our good buddy James Elam, and he gives us some really really in depth good information on fishing the fall transition. We'll go into that a lot more, but um last episode we gave you absolutely zero fishing information so we made up for it today anyways james did not necessarily us but james really did so uh dude i was i was writing notes down as he was talking seriously (laughs) like like for him to have it that dialed in and um very interesting stuff see i would say that your approach to the interview is like maybe five percent of our listeners the other 95 percent of our listeners really want here's my cliffhanger for them is that james shares quite possibly my favorite embarrassing (laughs) thing about josh i've heard so i would much rather as a listener be anticipating whatever that looks like i mean Jeez, dude, just Google how to catch bass in the fall. Who cares about the technical stuff? That's easy. What you pay for on this podcast <laughs> is personal humiliation. That's that's I'll where it's at. What, if we were a popular podcast, if this was like one of the real popular sports podcasts, that story would be a meme. No one dude. cares enough about me and our podcast. But if if this was like something one of legit, really mainstream <laughs> deals, yes, that would be a meme. Uh, and we'll leave it at that. Uh, what uh, what do you guys have going on for the rest of the week, man? Do you have any fishing coming up or, uh, you know, what have you been doing now that things are finally getting bearable outside in Arizona? Yeah, I've, I've fished a couple times this week. Um, Saguaro, it was 
it was uh, okay, not great fishing. Um, and then I think Sunday I'm going to run up and and uh, try to listen to some elk bugling. They should be going here pretty soon, so that'll be mm-hmm. interesting. Um, we usually try to stay out of people's way and just glass them and look for them. And uh, obviously there's hunts that started today, so you don't want to get in, in people's way, but like to go see what they're doing and that type of stuff. So um, that's what I've got going on for the most part. How about you, Nick? Well, as you guys well know, I, uh, I've adopted a cowboy persona in my life. And so transitioning back into Arizona, I've been trying to figure out how to properly introduce my awesome cowboy hat. And, uh, you know, we're going back to school in person finally next week. So we've been doing some pretty heavy duty um, back to school shopping. And it just feels so good to be in like a, a suburban, like full of the same exact looking Yukon in the parking lot that is like the antithesis of country and just wearing a straw cowboy hat at target. Walmart. You wore it. Oh, does a one legged duck swim in a circle. So everything was going so good until I opened up my latest edition of the Drake fly fishing magazine, which is like, I mean, I know this is mostly a bass fishing podcast, but if anyone's looking for a good read, the Drake, the Drake delivers. And uh, every, every article or excuse me, every edition has a, uh, something called page six chicks. And they usually show some like women who are ripping it in the fly fishing world. And I'm sure most people only subscribe for that. But sadly in this, this summer's um, edition, page six chicks is just one chick. And uh, I see her wearing my precious cowboy hat. So I'm, I'm a little concerned that I've been wearing a woman's cowboy hat for the last two and a half weeks. And uh, I, luckily my ego is (laughs) capable of that type of abuse, but I, uh, I I realize now, Josh, why you are one of my best friends, because Rob, you saw this in our group text when I sent that picture. I expected to just be under the bus getting rolled. And Josh said, how do we know she's not wearing a men's hat? So, Josh, nice, you are the real Josh. MVP, man. Thank you. <laughs> I showed it to Chantel and she's like, why are you being so nice to him? You're normally so mean. Because <laughs> he knows, man. Like, he just, he, he you know. It. He needed it. He had a long drive home. You know, he's proud of this hat. We don't we don't need him knowing that this is a woman. <laughs> oh, dude, that drive home was no joke, man. I did it. So it's a thousand miles from my sister's driveway to my driveway here. We drove it straight through, dude, like 17. It was 21 hours. But, uh, you know, because we stopped a little bit along the way. But uh, we made it, man. The uh, the El Majestico is back home. At, it's dry docked and uh, ready for the next adventure. What's the top speed on that rig? Downhill with a tailwind, like 63. Dude, and you know, so we had, we've been talking about that crazy front, and James talks about it too. I'm not sure if it's exactly the same weather pattern. I that is. I think it is, dude. This is Absolutely. like a historic weather front. Dude, I think all 1,000 miles were in a 50-mile-an-hour headwind. Oh, of course it's nice. a headwind. Dude, it Good was, I, I got, oh, one mile per gallon, and yep. that thing already was a broomstick in a jar of mayonnaise. Most of the time in such a direction that the steering wheel was finally straight. It was like 30 degrees of correction the whole way. Gosh, dude. Well, we're alive, you, you survived. So props on that, man. I'm glad you made it back, and we're glad to have you back in Arizona. Thanks, Josh. Um, so, and then you're blasting off now, right? I'm leaving tomorrow. Yeah, I'm I'm headed uh, up to Wisconsin for the uh, next or the first MLF Cup of the fall. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm I'm all packed up and ready to go. Uh, this was kind of the last thing I had to do was uh, this this chat here. So I'm ready to roll. I'll tell you guys the the crazy thing that happened in my house this week. And 
uh, last non-fishing related thing of this podcast for this week. But, uh, dude, this was this was terrible. My wife is laying on the ground playing with our daughter, Emma. Like, so she's laying on the, the carpet in the living room. And she's on her back. And Parker is off to the side. Like, our son, he's two, about to turn two, off to the side playing with his trucks. He's really into trucks, toy trucks. So he's got oh, this dump truck and it's pretty big it's got to be like 12 inches by 10 inches by 12 inches something like that it weighs a couple pounds it's hard plastic it's a it's a beefy toy of course got hard edges and stuff and you know i'm kind of watching him i'm like i'm kind of playing with him but i'm just standing there maybe changing the channel of the tv or something and out of the corner of my eye i see him kind of bolt towards chantelle and same thing for her. She's not looking at all. <laughs> he launches this truck. He no. launches, He runs right up on top of her full speed and launches this thing right into her face. <laughs> and this garbage truck hits her square in like in between the eye and the nose, like the corner of it. And you just hear the loudest smack. I mean, like oh. someone took it and hit it, threw it on the tile floor. That that was her face, dude. So oh. of course she covers her face with her hands, and uh, I, I I like go over it to her, and, and she like moves her hand a little bit, and there's blood. Oh. And dude, long story short, she has she looks like she was in a boxing match, man. She has got a straight up black eye and cut oh. a cut on her nose, and it's getting it's been like four days, but dude, it's a. Uh, if there's ever a great time to be able to wear a mask out in public, it's now, man, because <laughs> people would be looking at me like the jerk, exactly. like I'm going to beat my wife up. Yep. But, dude, it is gnarly. And she's kind of proud of the black eye now. She's never had a black eye, man. So she's, oh. she's wearing it with pride now, uh, and it's getting better. But as soon as that happened, I'm like, you're going to have a black eye tomorrow. And she goes, really? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, That's crazy. Well, hopefully that no stitches or anything. No, thankfully, and I saw the cuts and the blood right away. I'm like, God, yeah, man, hopefully oh. she doesn't need stitches. But uh, gnarly, dude. You just never, and she can, you can't be mad at him. He's just like, just wanted to play, dude. But like, it was the worst case scenario, man. It really was. Man. So, no Josh, doubt. you sent you sent an article out. Uh, I think it was yeah. this morning, right? So, if if we need to interview more guys on fall fishing, uh, October of 2018. Uh, Robert Denton and Cameron Cameron Wooten, they caught him pretty good at Quail Creek Reservoir. Yeah, it sounds the like they know how to catch him. The problem should... was is the tournament was at Powell and they weighed him in there. So, <laughs> dude, that's just... bring that in, dude. I love it. It's just a minor, you know, minor glitch in an otherwise fail-proof plan to win twenty five hundred dollars. Dude, the things Absolutely. people will do for twenty five hundred dollars. Get out of here. So ridiculous, huh? So anyhow, they got um, what was it, like a class three felony. I Dude, believe, convicted, like convicted felons now. So they, unfortunate, though. They only took their their hunting privileges for two years and fishing for five. It, come on, man. Like it's over. Let's let's Dude, get these guys. Strip right. it all, right. right? Like, how do they have any privileges after that, dude? That's that was yeah. the the downside. One of the downsides of that article. But that's crazy, man. And <laughs> those fish look so sick. I know they're studs. So the, the way they found they found this out was like these guys. I don't know. They probably had 
there had probably been some buzz about these guys in the past. It doesn't say it in the article, but a lot of these cheater stories, when they come to light, people had had wondered if if these if they were being honest a lot of times. So maybe these guys had, you know, kind of a bullseye on them already, and they come to weigh in with these fat, short fish, small headed, all beat up. Their fins are red, like they've been stressed out. Yet they're small heads. Almost like a Florida strain looking fish. Now, I have no idea if there's a Florida versus northern strain deal in this situation, but they look like fish that you would catch um, on some out of Lake Fork, you know. And Lake Powell is a deep desert lake. And these fish in these deep desert lakes, they do a lot of swimming. They're long and lean. They've got big heads. And in the fall, especially, it's rare to catch one super, super fat. So that was kind of a two day tournament. That was kind of raised some questions. So the next day they have an undercover officer come in and just wear normal clothes and, and come to the weigh-in. And these guys bring in some more weird-looking fish. And uh, they take they take samples of these fish, and they were able to literally link these fish for sure to that other lake, Quail Creek uh, Reservoir. So pretty gnarly how they did it. And I don't want to get too much into the science, but um, – pretty interesting how they did it they uh let me pull my notes up here on uh on how they caught or how they uh they figured this out it was i guess they're called otoliths um and these otoliths as i'm just trying to buy time here as i scroll free free ball it dude so basically yeah it's like a it's a bone right near the the skull of the fish by the gill plate and uh and it it, it's a calcium carbonate buildup of the diet of that fish in the in the body of water, and apparently it's such a unique, specific deal to every fish. They can line it up with the diet and and body of water where the fish had came from, at least according to Wikipedia, which I love the article Dude, cited. Look at you. Well, that's exactly what it's saying here, and they say they're so unique. That it's it's a one in a billion deal. So yeah. I mean, uh-huh. it's an absolute <laughs> positive thing. And uh, you know, there was a similar scenario that had happened out here, uh, you know, ten or so years ago, and it, it ended up going a different way because they never got a sample of the actual fish. But yeah. uh, pretty cool how they pin these guys. And dude, I don't know. I, I'm with you guys on them taking it, taking away their privileges forever, but. These dudes are never going to come to another tournament. They'll never be seen at another bass tournament. None of these cheaters ever, ever come to another tournament. And, and you know what's what's really a shame is they probably loved bass fishing. Like, they're scumbags yeah. for doing this. They're complete scumbags. And, you know, I don't feel bad for them at all. But there's punishment in that, dude. Like, they can never go right. to another You're bass right. tournament again. That sucks for that, man. Yep. Fair enough. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I don't know. I don't know. They'll 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 never do it again, though, man. Uh, that's for sure. And uh, good to spread the word on stories like this. I thought it was pretty pretty wild. If you ever need a little a little good read, Wired to Fish usually has something going on, man. That's a it's a fun site to cruise. They sure do, and they get credit for this article. They they wrote it, and that's where we found it. Um, well, right on. Hey, we've got such a good long interview. I, I, I unless you guys have anything else, I say we send it right over to them. Yeah, let's go so learn about good. fishing in the fall. All righty, guys. Hope you enjoyed James Elam. Yeah. James, are you there, dude? I'm here. I'm here. What's What's, the what's up, James? Man? What's up, guys? What are you doing on the farm today, man? Uh, well, I just woke up. You know, uh, tonight was a 
or uh, last night was a busy night. You know, I had a sponsored uh, uh, little thing we did on the water. You know, here on the lake, close close to me. Uh, took a couple hours in the evening, and then it was a big night last night. Also, it was the first night of the NFL season, so I stayed up late watching the game. Uh, did that this morning. Woke up. It's it's raining here. I, I was wanting to go fishing a little bit today because the weather's so nice here in Oklahoma. Um, I think it was like 57 for a high yesterday. So um, just waking up, talking to you guys. Uh, I think I'll probably go fishing if this uh, storm if this storm passes though. Do what? 57 is a high. What what was it days prior to that? I think the day before all the storms blew in, blew in uh, it was like you know in the mid 90s and Jeez. fairly humid. We had three or four you know good south wind days before that and it was nine mid 90s it was nasty Oof. you know what, what does that do to your fish i mean what that's got to really switch them up doesn't it or is it just it it it, it does it, it uh so yeah it, it just it does a lot of things it was already tough fishing you know yeah on any of these lakes really around here but it, it if they're holding on any kind of offshore stuff or any kind of little mid-depth spot that you know one of those little sweet spots it busts them up and they start moving off of it and right. uh you know scatters them for a while interesting what uh what's that weather going to do like how long is it going to stay cool for you over there dude i think next week we're supposed to get back in the 80s so once that happens they'll start to kind of get back in a normal trend <laughs> now if it stays pretty cold like this for too long all of our shallower water stuff will start turning over and uh, we'll have to deal with that a little bit. But, uh, you know, the deeper parts of the lakes and the lower end of the lakes, that probably won't happen until October, later October. But, uh, yeah, I think we're going to get back to normal, like 80-degree weather, you know, but a lot nicer than it was. And then probably 60s for the lows and probably drier air. So fa- fall is finally here. Good. Dude, hey, so so you guys, I don't know if I've told you guys about the scorpion population uh, that James has at his house, but is this going to knock the scorpions down a little bit too, dude? You know, ever, since, in the past couple of days since it's been cool, man, I haven't seen a single one. They're they're all burled up, and I think I did a really good job the last couple of weeks of, of the heat uh, knocking them back pretty good. I've, I've seen, you know, ever since we got back from fishing um, – there was a little bit of a boost in me seeing them, you know, around the house and in the building and stuff. And, and of course when I'd see one is usually, you know, dying because I, I spray poison pretty liberally. I, but, uh, I, I just stayed on top of that. And, you know, what, one of the cool tricks that Josh Bertrand, the Arizonan showed me, um, and told me about was the black light. And, uh, you can actually go outside at night and take a black light and those scorpions will glow neon green and you can hunt them. So it's pretty neat. They they pattern just like bass. Yeah. It's a lot. Like bass. <laughs> they, 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 yeah, they they school up and they have their tendencies and there's things that they want and things they look for and you can almost dial in exactly where they're going to be and 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 how they're acting and stuff like that. So it's pretty it's pretty That's neat. Hilarious. So then, what's your yeah. method of dispatching them, dude? Do you get like that hardcore spray and just like let it eat when you find one? Well, I, I like to just go ahead and. Uh, I don't, I don't waste the spray. Uh, okay. Usually it's uh, So the fear factor is gone. You don't like shriek and just use half a can on them when you find them? Well, dude, I, I swear I, my my blood runs cold when I see one. I, I hate them. And 
I get the chills sometimes, you know, but I'm not scared to step on one, uh, you know, with good shoes on. And you've got to be a little bit careful around here. We've seen two copperheads at night while we're scorpion hunting. So uh, you got to wear boots. That's kind of a smart thing to do. So this is all building into my question for you then. Help me see the attraction of a residence in Oklahoma. You got tornadoes, you got humidity, (laughs) and now you have scorpions? Dude, yeah. Like, what? Where's the redemption there? Are the people just like super awesome? I did go to Tulsa for a bath, um, a classic, a long time ago with Josh, and Tulsa was pretty legit. But I saw no tornadoes, I saw no scorpions, and it was really cold. So I feel like I kind of missed out on that trifecta. So, what is it, man? Yeah, but, well, I guess you grew up here and you just don't know any better. Yeah, so there you, you go. Hate. But no, it's it, it's good. The people here are great. Uh, We've got a nice little piece of property, and we enjoy it a lot. Um, yeah, our our weather, probably the worst thing. If I had to name two, two of the worst things here would be the weather because we get so cold yeah, and, and so nasty and miserable, but at the same time, it gets so hot and nasty and miserable. It, it's just polar so opposite. It breeds so tough things. people, huh? Yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess you could say that, but it, it it's – yeah, it's not like Arizona to where we've. You guys have. We do get nice. Uh, I, I love our winters, but we do also get nasty cold spells. But uh, I, we, we've got the in between when it's really nice, like right now for you know next month or so. It, it'll be pretty nice. Uh, but yeah, the the score. I, I had no idea that the scorpions could be that bad in Oklahoma. Of course, when we moved in here, there were a lot of things in the yard. Um, it, it was almost like there was a you know. It was almost hoarded, you know, a bunch of junk in the yard and stuff like that. And I think that it was a perfect habitat for them. So we're dealing with the residual effects of that, taking all that stuff away. And now they've got to move and, and find somewhere new. But it hasn't been that bad. I think I got it under control, and it's going to get better as, as, the, as the years go on. But the tornadoes, you know, the, I've seen a couple of them, like uh, not real defined. But, I mean, I, I've been around a lot of them. Uh, it, they definitely happen. I think Josh stayed with us once at our old house when we had one pretty close. We, we could oh, see yeah. it, but That's it was crazy. it was it was uh, we saw the system it was in and all kinds of stuff. So dude. it happens. It the happens. sirens were going off, dude, and it was one of the eeriest things ever. Like I've got videos of it, and uh, you get a little rush, you know, because you can see how the storm chasers could really, really do it. But um, you know, I don't know, dude. It was. It's probably me just being ignorant and not knowing, not ever seeing firsthand the damage they can cause. Yeah, they 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 can in a hurry. It's a uh, it's a pretty destructive thing. It's uh, nothing you can do about it. Don't don't those weather changes like you just experienced? Isn't that what causes the tornadoes? Yeah. So normally, what happens is you know you'll get that that really hot, humid Gulf air that just it sucks up the Midwest and it blows It'll do it for one or two or three days. And it's like, it's, it's getting sucked up North by the cold air, whatever is happening. And then just that cold line will come from the uh, Northwest. It seems like, you know, from Colorado and it'll, it'll come across our state and sweep across our state. And it mixes with the, with, you know, our warm, uh, dry air or our, our warm, humid air. And that's that's where you get it, and, and it collides, and the heat rises, and it makes it spin, and it 
causes that uh, that you know tornadic uh, rotation and, and actually starts rotating kind of like parallel to the ground and then it turns out hmm. James that's so. if uh, if you ever get tired of catching bass and cashing checks dude I think you could get a job at the local channel 7 weather forecast maybe like reporting live <laughs> we've got James Elo here and he's like well we got is this hot gulf air doing some tornadic spinning like going to ground yeah. dude I think you got it yeah well, he's he's seen know, a lot of them, dude. He's the guy I go to when we're at a tournament <laughs> and like it's like late spring and we're in Missouri or Oklahoma or Arkansas or Alabama. It's getting ugly. And I'm like nervous. I call him <laughs> and he'd be like, no, dude, it's cool. You don't have to worry about it. Or, you know, if he's like, yeah, it's not looking good. But like one time, dude, we were getting we're getting ready to go uh, start pre-fishing. We're at Table Rock and there's heavy heavy chances for tornadic activity that day i'll never forget him dude telling me uh he's like dude if you get in a bind and it happens and there's one coming he goes get out of your boat and go hide back in a hollow somewhere uh just get out of your boat and i'm like dude this is that doesn't make me feel good at all jeez crazy yeah that's scary save your life and it happens so quickly. At least he didn't say, if that happens, just bend over and kiss your ass goodbye. At least he had more <laughs> for you than that. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, that's good advice. Well, find a cave, basically. All right. Yeah, no kidding. Right on. Well, hey, uh, we'll get into the fishing here in one second. Uh, last, last thing on the scorpions, you guys probably get a kick out of this. Uh, at, at James' house, he's got a side-by-side. And, you know, like most side-by-sides, you would put like an LED light in front so you can drive through the woods at night and stuff. He's got a light bar on the front of his side-by-side, black light. Nice. Oh, black light awesome. bar, dude. It's hilarious. The ultimate scorpion hunting machine. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it is nice to use that, but you got to get off the, the side-by-side to kill them unless you got some spray. So it's nice to have spray when you do that. But yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Have you been stung by one yet, James? No. Gosh, I hope I never do, man. Knock on wood, yeah. dude. No, I haven't. We've been really careful. Yeah, that's that's good. funny. I mean, have have you guys been, Nick or Josh, have you been stung by a scorpion? Mm-mm. My day is coming, man. My son, when he was two, got stung. And then my old man got stung, I think it was last year or 18 months ago or something. And my two-year-old... Dude, he took it like a champ. He literally cried for like two minutes at the most and went on with his life. But it messed my dad up, dude. He was like, I, he was almost hallucinating. I remember he was laying on my couch and he was like holding his forehead <laughs> and he was like super miserable. And it was so funny because he started saying the craziest things. He's like, if I don't survive this, like, just, he, he's like, if I don't destroy, survive this, destroy my cell phone. My wife and I are looking at each other like, seriously? <laughs> all right, dude, we'll, we'll destroy your cell phone and we'll take you to the emergency room. I think you're going to be all right. And he did. We didn't have to destroy a cell phone. So evidence Jeez. still is out there. I don't That's hilarious. So tell your wife, James, if you get stung to destroy your cell phone, make sure there's no evidence left. I don't make think feel that great. she would uh, take that the right way. <laughs> oh, okay. Probably not. Incriminating evidence on there is probably what she'd think. We didn't, we didn't take it the right way either. I don't think anyone knows what to do with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, let's All talk right. fishing, man. You're, the, you're the, the fall stud, and I think that's where Josh was transitioning us anyway. So let's, let's hop in. Yeah, so so uh, dude, Rob did a little bit of digging. I want Rob you to you to start this and and tell the listeners what kind of damage James has done in the fall 
just to yes just to give so, everyone an idea so i i started looking at your bassmaster stats and i i initially i thought you were really heavy in cashing checks just in basically from in the fall and then i started digging a little deeper and it you're a lot more well-rounded than that and it's really even throughout the year but an interesting stat in uh, september and october you have uh, eight out of 42 cash finishes uh, or, or cash checks in in eight out of 42 tournaments um in those two months and they consist of an 11th a 10th a 9th a fifth a second and three first nice. so like oh wow exactly that's it's pretty impressive in those two months so i mean obviously I, I don't know if you've looked at that but i mean you're an absolute hammer in that it, that time and it's a really i mean that's an interesting time to be that way um, yeah that's September really weird i appreciate are, that are I, you're making me feel a lot better than i am but <laughs> that's not true at all dude those those are unbelievable that's uh, that's an incredible amount of top tens and three wins in that time dude like uh I, have you ever have you ever thought about that before dude do you go into those tournaments licking your chops or uh is that like just kind of surprising to you to hear that well it, it's not because i kind of know it. i'm a little bit aware of it uh that that's that's crazy though when you actually put pen to paper and and uh see what it is but uh I think it's just uh, I, maybe it's a mentality. Maybe it's, you know, yeah, mental thing. Maybe it's I get warmed up late. By the end of the season, I'm ready to, you know, I'm all clicking on all cylinders. Maybe it's a issue of that's when I've spent the most time on my water, on the water growing up. I, I don't, can't really, it might be a combination of all those things. Uh, I do know that, you know, just as a kid, like when I had a boat, I, got a boat when I was like 17 and I spent a ton of time on the water, you know, in July and August during the summer fishing offshore and, uh, you know, on our summer breaks. And then we'd always have these big classic tournaments in September in Oklahoma. And it was always really, really tough, but I'd spent a lot of time practicing. It was always really important to try to figure it out that time of year. And I think I spent so much time doing that, you know, for 10 straight years that, it may be better, you know, at fishing when it's really tough like that, you know, just fishing that late summer, uh, transition or just any kind of offshore stuff is just really just better for me. It seems like. So my extremely unqualified summary or like thought process through that dude is that so, so fall tends to signify like change, right? Like it's unpredictable. Mm -hmm. you, you don't know if it's going to be 95 and then you don't know if a front's going to come in and knock you down to 65. So does it speak to just the ability to be flexible, like to, to be able to adapt or think outside of the box? Is that kind of some of the, the logic that goes into those successful finishes? Yeah. You know, I can think of a few tournaments that, we've had in September <clears throat> one in particular um, was a, an open tournament that I ended up getting in the top uh, in the top five or top 10. But I think that, you know, the weather did, it, it, the, there was a big front that came through it's very similar to what happened this week here. Uh, I think the last day of practice and it really changed things. And, and I tried my best to adapt to it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I feel like I did a little bit, but sometimes that'll get me, but yeah, I, I always look for what's coming next for, for sure. Um, usually you have to make a bait change because mm -hmm. 
the mood changes and you have to, uh, you know, when the weather's all stable and everything, you can catch them fishing slow right where they're living. They bite really well. But when things take a turn, you have to go more reaction, it seems like, and, and trick them into biting and make them bite. And uh, I just try to stay aware of all that. And, yeah, I'll be flexible. And, uh, yeah, just try to roll with the punches there. That's so interesting, dude, because, like, so many folks, like, would just probably assume, like, okay, we've had this front, fishing has got tougher, now I need to slow down. But um, we're kind of going in a, in a backwards pattern here going into the fall rather than like going into right. the summer. You know what I mean? So that's interesting that you yeah. make that comment because it, it does make a lot of sense, man. Like like these fish are have been steadily doing the same thing all summer, no matter where you live. They're in a summer pattern living on the same places. Like you said, the weather's been stable. You're catching them on a big worm or a drop shot or a football jig doing the same thing. And it's predictable, but like – when when uh, when when the weather finally breaks and you get those first couple fronts, it's interesting you pull out a reaction bait at that point. Right, because it's the opposite in the spring. It's like you would uh, have to do the exact opposite. But it's uh, yeah, just like you said, you made that good point there. It's uh, it's like the fish bust up and normally clouds accompany that uh, weather system, and that's never good usually for catching them. You know, around brush or offshore stuff and it's like they spread out a little bit you need to cover more water and trick them into biting you know whether that be like a buzz bait or a little crankbait or something you know okay and uh, so yeah kind of the opposite it's interesting man yeah buzz bait's such a good fall bait dude and i was going to ask you a couple of your favorite like uh your favorite patterns for fishing like late summer into the early fall that transition is uh, is a buzz bait one of your top baits on north wind fronts yeah um so yesterday got it dialed dude (laughs) yeah northeast northwest just north well it it, what will happen is we'll have a front and it will be north wind for three days and and then it starts to get northeast and then it and then there's east for a day and it's barely east usually and that's the day that's pretty calm and nice and that's probably the first day of sun and I don't catch them, you know, on a buzzbait so well when it's, when it's, you know, bright, sunny and not much wind, you know, in that scenario. So um, that's kind of a, a dying deal by then. And then it's time to kind of readjust and start to throw a shaky head, and a jig around again and stuff like that. And maybe the crankbait still plays a small one or something to get them to react. But uh, th- that's one of my favorite things, you know, on the, this north cloudy wind days and when we start getting to october the spinnerbait becomes a really really you know the spinnerbait and the, the buzzbait you know on any of our weather fronts you know throughout the fall are, are really hard to beat and, and uh, <clears throat> the square bill has its time you know both in the sun and in the uh, in the clouds in the fronts but you know if i were to have to fish slow uh shaky head is number one and that doesn't mean just one shaky head i'll have like if they're if that's what they've got their eye on, I'll have three different maybe versions, uh, usually throwing it up mid-depth and shallower. Um, it just seems like they get their eye on the shad that time of year, and a long slender bait does a really good job compared to a bulky bait. So um, that's one of my favorite things to do as well. That's interesting, dude. You know, I remember you kind of breaking down some of these tournaments after you fished them, and, like, 
dude, a lot of what you're saying is exactly what you said you did in the tournament, you know, yeah. uh, do you still get plenty of big bites on that shaky head? Not a ton of big bites, but the limit fillers definitely. And you have to have those, you know, the yeah. two and three pounders. Uh, it seems like the bigger ones will come a different way for sure. Maybe a Carolina rig or, or maybe a jig or a big worm or a topwater. So definitely seems to be a little bit different. I, Any I, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, well, it's just interesting. I, we fished that open at Grand Lake uh, probably several years ago. Very, very, very tough. I ended up uh, winning and got lucky. You know, it was just it was that was a that was a good example. I, we had a bad front blow in the last day of the tournament, and nobody caught him real well at all. I think one guy had ten pounds, and I had like eight pounds, which was it was just a a, a blessing. I caught a limit. It was so bad, and they just did not bite that day. I ended up catching him on a Carolina rig, but. Uh, my co-angler in that tournament caught the biggest one I'd seen all week, and he, he threw out the back oh. of the boat with the Carolina rig, and, and that's how he caught one of the bigger fish of the tournament. So uh, it was really interesting. It was just a different deal, and, and that fish had busted up, and it was just kind of out there roaming. And hmm. uh, so, yeah, you never know, but um, they're, they're all tough tournaments, and that's the thing. Yeah, James, what kind of depths are you talking that time of year? I know – you guys probably fish quite a bit shallower than we do out west here, but on Grand Lake, when you were Carolina rigging, how deep were you fishing? Yeah, I think most of those fish were probably in 12 to, to 8. You know, I caught some in 5. Um, I think the key is anything less than 15 at the time. I think I may have caught a couple in 15. They, they were all varying depths. It kind of depended on the spot, yeah. and, and but they weren't in 25. Which right. sometimes in September they will get in 25. They'll get out a little bit deeper than they they were in the middle of the summer. What do you consider um, extremely deep in Grand Lake? 25, 30? Yeah, 25. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And Which you said there. You I'm said not opposed to fishing deeper than that. Right. Okay. Cool. What's crazy on those lakes out there? Like you get out into that 25 feet and like the amount of jump trash fish in the water is mm-hmm. mind-boggling dude like like mm-hmm. uh our western lakes no big deal to idle out 25 30 40 feet and you'll catch bass in those depths and when you see fish they're generally bass but like grand lake fort gibson uh a lot of those lakes man you idle off that shelf and you idle off a deep point and you get below 25 feet and it's just solid fish dude just solid fish what the heck are those james We've got a lot of catfish in Oklahoma and a lot of huge population of shad and gizzard shad and thread fins. And you'll see a lot of those down there. You'll see those thread uh, gizzards real deep or not real deep, but, you know, out there off the edge, like just like you're talking about. But we have a ton of catfish and white bass that'll be out there. Mm. Both of those. I mean, we just we've got an endless supply of white bass and catfish and uh, (laughs) our shad population in in Oklahoma is just extreme. So they, they just that you can't wipe them out because they've got too much to eat. And, uh, we've also got, you know, some gar out there and, 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 and stuff like that. And, and we've got a lot of drum and, and whatnot. The drum kind of stay up shallower, but uh, <clears throat> we've just got a ton of, uh, of catfish and, and, and white bass and some of the lakes, they'll, they'll stock stripers and hybrids also, but we've just got a bunch of them. 
Do you think that the largemouth position then in that first like third of the water column because of all the competition out deeper, or is that just completely unrelated, do you think? That's a really interesting thing. I, I, I think the bass want to be where they're at because of the, the oxygen, because mm-hmm. every lake, you know, in the middle of the summer here in Oklahoma, like if I could pick every single one of them, I could tell you what the ther- thermocline is going to be. You know, every single summer, the depth's always the same that they want to get in in June and July. It, they, they, you know, they've got the magic depth that, that they want to be in. And just knowing that fact right there just makes me think that it's a it's an oxygen thing. Like, that's a comfort thing. Like, that, that's just what it is. It's not I, – I'm guessing, you know. But, um, right. And then catfish having so much less IQ, they can live down there where there's no oxygen, right? <laughs> Right, you think so. for sure, Nick. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Uh, that might be the why you see them out deep is because they can handle it. Yeah, right. yeah. absolutely. That they makes can sit sense. In your boat in your live on a dry live well, you know, probably for five minutes. You get thrown back in, they'll still live. They'll swim away, dude. Yeah. Right? <laughs> they haven't done any evolution in the last like six million years. They're very unrefined. Yeah, whiskers still. Yeah, <laughs> right. Case in point. Right on. Hey, so this is kind of random, dude, but um, if we've got any like newer listeners that uh, are just kind of uh, just really getting serious into the sport and stuff, dude, um, it's hard to know what time of year to not throw certain baits, right? And like I wanted to ask you, dude, are there any techniques in the early fall that you just completely stay away from and you would tell people not even to waste their time with? Around where I'm from. Uh, I would say I, I don't, you know, in the early fall, <clears throat> I don't throw a lot of big baits. I don't mess around with, you know, slinging a big rubber swim bait around. I don't, you know, do stuff like that. I, I kind of tend to throw smaller stuff in September. It's just what they have their eye on, a smaller bait. Uh, now, doesn't mean, you know, I won't catch them on a big jig or a big worm, you know, at some, you know, some point or another. It's just there's it's so it's such a mix of <clears throat> different things it could be, but um, I, I would definitely say I'm trying to think. I'm going through my tackle boxes in my head right now and trying to. I've got a ton of stuff tied on in my boat. I don't throw. There's a lot of things you know I don't mess with a lot in Oklahoma really uh, in general, but um, I'd say that would be one overall thing is I wouldn't throw a bunch of big swim bait stuff right now. Right on. That's cool, man. Um, how about a soft stick worm? I hate throwing them in general. So I, <laughs> yeah, I don't throw I, them. I'll throw them around the spawn, yeah. but yeah, that's that's one thing too. I'd, I'd add too. And they're tremendous around the spawn. I mean, you got to have mm-hmm. one. But like oh, yeah. this time of year, I, I don't know. You could throw one on a on a just a jig head and make it a shaky head, but there's really no need to do that. So. Hundred percent. That's cool. Um, you guys have any other questions on like fall fishing for James? How about a how about a starting point for beginners in mm. the fall? They're just gonna they're gonna go fishing uh, Saturday morning and where where would you start in you know late late summer early fall for someone that hasn't fished a whole lot? Late summer early fall, we're probably still you know depending on where you're at in the country, I would still kind of look close to where the fish may have been in the summer. And, you know, points are a really good place to do that. And just fish all around the points, even on the sides. When those fish start getting off the, 
off the good points, they start to move up on the sides and, and just kind of follow them in and, and fish, you know, uh, windblown stuff. If, if you're going to fish shallow, fish, you know, good rocky looking stuff. And uh, you probably don't <clears throat> have to fish all the way back in the creeks right now. I would focus more um, from midway back to the towards the mouth. And that's a good starting point. Fish those zones and, and maybe some main lake stuff. There'll be plenty of main lake fish right now still. But I, those are the zones kind of that I would look for. I'd look for close to where they were in the summer and, and just maybe focus on points and, and just breaks, whether that be a, a channel swing or a transition or a little ledge or something like that. That's kind of where I would focus. Nice. Awesome. Sorry, I had to walk away. Yeah. I've got a ton of background noise going on right now. Uh, I don't know what James, you offended outside. Josh. He dipped. He's out. I saw him take the headphones <laughs> off. He threw the notepad down. He's like, I'm done. He's it's gone. Over. He's gone. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you had enough of hearing you talk about how good it is. He's like, I'm, I heard the garage door go up and everything. Well, that's the thing is it's 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 not very good this time of year sometimes. Yeah. But uh, you know, if you if you're having a tournament and stuff, it makes it fun. It's all relative, and and uh, you like to do well. So I've heard Josh say that very thing, man. When he goes into tournaments, he likes them when there's a little bit of uncertainty or there's a little bit of challenge that universally affects everyone, right? Like that's kind of the great equalizer. Yeah, and that make, makes it to where if, when you show up to the tournament, you can outwork people and because not everybody knows what's going on already in and really it's all based upon practice and you find them in practice and figuring them out then so that always does equalize things for sure james do you do you recall uh one of your top finishes in the fall do you do you recall any of those being just a slam where you're crushing them no no maybe maybe chatug uh when we had that tournament there but was you know, that even then, bass? it was really stressful. Yeah, that was a spotted bass deal. <clears throat> yeah. That was uh, that was just kind of different. Um, that was a really nerve-wracking tournament just all the way around. So, But if I had to look back, that's probably when I was catching them the best. I just There were two or three, four different schools of fish that that were, uh, you know, that, that were there, and, and you could sit there and, and, and get them to buy it and stuff like that, and it just it was easier. You didn't have to work at quite as hard. Why was it nerve-wracking? Well, it was our AOI tournament. I think Josh, yeah, so Josh was uh, leading or in second place in the points in that tournament, too, so he could tell you the same as nerve-wracking. And he Oh, was about man, to I wasn't a, adding, yeah. I, I wasn't helping yeah, the uh, to have overall a, mood in the like house that week. Yeah. You were it, having it a baby, terrible. too, Josh. <laughs> yeah, he, he was about to have a baby. Born, huh? He was a baby yep. and was having a baby. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know and it it just there was a lot of it was a small lake and there was a lot of other anglers around and then there was locals gotcha. just gosh man there's just so much going on so, in those but, situations you know, when like the locals are underwater do you uh you ever like rip your shirt off and like flail your arms at them and explain to them why it's your hole for a couple of days <laughs> yeah just stud out name of this episode studding out with uh, james elam uh, i'd have to do some push-ups and get all pumped up first that's right you know normally <laughs> normally when i'm fishing a tournament and we practice for three days or two days and i've you know fished a couple of days of, of competition I'm, I'm so skinny and beat down and ragged 
that I would look like a little uh, just a scrawny. <laughs> no, there'd be no threat there. Dude, you know? No, but man, I, you're, like a, you're like a spider monkey all hopped up on Mountain Dew. They see that and they're scared. Yeah. I should shave my head, but get some neck pads and, and yeah. There you and go. Dude, yeah. yeah, get a sharpie and give some like self-induced like prison tats on your face, and they'll they'll know. But speaking of being famished by that point in the tournament, uh, James Josh told me that you're the guy, and maybe we talked about this when he hopped on back in Florida. But you're the guy that goes to the grocery store, right, and buys a bunch of yeah. produce and smashes it into a blender and then drinks it for like seven days, right? In memory. Yeah, yeah. I I used to do that a lot. I found a drink I finally like to drink. That, is it suja? Uh, you can buy at the store. Yeah, yeah, sujas. Yeah, sujas uh, legit, man. But what I used to do before that, man, it was an off season, and and I wanted to find a way to get all these superfoods into one drink. So I felt like I'm drinking vitamins and it's nectar of the gods. I just, I just, I just, yeah, I just wanted something to help me, uh, not necessarily perform, but my body to hold up, and 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 it helps everything, man. It helps your mind. It helps. Um, physically over, you know, seven days, if you, if you take care of what you're, you know, if you get enough vitamins and nutrients in your body, it, it just, it can take a toll on you if you don't. So uh, my, my idea was uh, to take, you know, seven or eight of the best superfoods and put them in a blender and drink that every morning. And what I would do is I would buy kale, spinach, avocado, blueberries, uh, chia seeds, almonds, and, and put all that junk in the blender <laughs> and only strawberries and bananas, but only for taste. And <clears throat> that's where you'd get your good taste is strawberry bananas. Um, and I think that's about all I used to put in there. It's like basically a combination of fruits, vegetables, and seeds or nuts or whatever you want to say. Dude, did that just come out like thick as concrete, like wet cement? Yeah. Is that just like you had to like eat it with a spoon? Chew it? Yeah. Chew it. Yeah, you had to. Yeah, you had to put water in it, and even when you put water in it, you almost have to chew it. Once it gets cold and it's been sitting in the fridge, it's almost like you got to spoon it out of the cup. Dude, I bet that ages really well. So by, like, day seven, is the flavor just, like, <laughs> fermented to the point of, like, sangria? You have, like, a bootleg sangria at that point? Yeah, you got to drink it in three or four days for sure. Yeah, it's like a bootleg sangria. Yeah. Dude, it's, that's uh, But it's good for you, man. and you You feel the energy levels all day after you drink that. I'm a believer, man. I've been juicing for a long time, so I'm in the camp with you yeah. on that. And Suja gets you through in a pinch for sure. So, yeah, yeah, it's a lot better if you do it on your own. But right, who has time for that nonsense? Right. By the end of the week, he'd be like, "Hey, Bertrand, you want some of this?" And I never no. took him up on it, not one time, dude. Well, he and he'd offer in the beginning of the week too. It wasn't just like he's. Only offering when it would get nasty, but it, Josh is over there sucking down syrup energy packs, and and James is eating <laughs> yeah. like superfoods. He's like, Nah, man, I got my superfood right here, maple syrup. Has, that's right. Has Bertrand ever told you about his dreams of like weighing in tacos? Oh no! no. <laughs> James loves this story, dude. Thank you, so. James. I think we're gonna replace Josh as the host there. Maybe he'll just become number four. Weighing in tacos, huh? <laughs> I uh, had a dream. I dude, I always have dreams that like I catch fish and I don't get them to weigh in somehow or another. Like I've always every nightmares fast fishing dream is a nightmare, and I always catch them. And I run out of gas. I 
go to the wrong spot for weigh-in. I forget what time weigh-in is. Whatever it is, I never get him to weigh-in, dude. So I finally, in one dream, I get my bass to weigh-in, dude. I got a, ba- a big bag. of I don't remember how big, but a big bag, dude. And uh, I'm in the weigh-in line. I get up on the stage, and I go to dump the fish out on the scale. And uh, the tournament director's like, what the hell? What are these? I'm like, they're my fish. And he's like, no. These are burritos, dude. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, damn it. I forgot. I filleted them and made fish burritos out of these fish. I should. I forgot to wait until after weigh-in to do it. <laughs> oh, that's money, dude. Wow. And that's where you get that nightmare feeling and wake up and, and yeah, it's the anxiety. It's like, it's like the same dream of, you know, you have it 10 years after college that you're missing a class or there was a class that sure. you forgot to drop and it's going to show up on your, uh, on your grades as a D or, you know, did not show up or whatever, fail, whatever. And I actually had that dream the other night, but it's just a, it's an anxiety fear dream that you have as a professional angler. And one way or the other whether it's weighing in tacos or, or your, you know, your, whatever it is, you're, you're just some kind of force of nature just keeps you from getting to the way in or back to where you're going. It, it's a real thing. It's crazy. I've had them. And, but the, the funniest one's definitely weighing in burritos. Dude, I love it. And the best part is, is that since I've known you, Josh, which is going on like seven decades now, have you ever kept a native fish? Like, I don't even think you, do you even eat fish? So I can, I, I hope you guys can hear each other because I can barely hear anyone. My internet is like, can you guys hear me clearly? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. I don't have to hear all your BS. Then you can just listen to me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so sorry guys if I missed one of your questions, but uh, I think I think you asked. Uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Nick. What, Go what ahead, did you, Nick. What did you ask? Yeah. Can you hear me now, brother? I can hear you in and out. Let's 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 move on, dude. We'll yeah, go we'll fine. go back to my thing later on. But uh, w- one last thing before we let you go, James. Um, dude, we ask a lot of our guests their worst hotel or worst house they've ever stayed in on the road at a tournament. People love to hear it. Uh, I may have been present uh, at the worst one you've had, but dude, does one stick out to you as far as like just a really really rough hotel or just a, a something crazy that happened uh, while you were traveling around the country? I'm going through the database in my mind of all the little nasty hotels I've stayed at. I've stayed at a lot of them. I've never had the, uh, thankfully I've never had bed bugs or anything like that because that's something that a lot of guys have ran across, but you know, kind of a funny place that I've stayed before. And I think you may have stayed with me, but we had this little place. We, we call it the cat motel. It's a <laughs> uh, place we go every now and then, but, uh, a, a guy uh, told me, yeah, there's this motel down there, and it, it, it's called the Cat Motel. You know, a lot of fishermen stay there. And there's not a lot of places to stay at this place, but there's this one place that's called the Cat Motel. It's not actually called the Cat Motel, but there's so many cats there that that's what everybody calls it. And you go po- park your boat in the back of behind the hotel, and it's got a big boat yard, and there's a, just a bunch of stuff back there, just a bunch of – it's all clean and all that stuff, but just a ton of – I don't know, pallets and, and just, just all kinds of stuff, but there's cats everywhere. There's there's probably 100 cats, and uh, it's just a really weird thing. And there's just so many cats. I don't know. It's just pretty awkward. Do so, they pee in your boat? Yeah, that's what I was thinking too, Rob. Well, I, was, I kept my cover on for sure. Yeah, that's good. Okay. That's good. Dude, that's always a great sign. 
like a lot of cats it's like either got like a crazy cat lady or you know like some kind of like ritual going on there's probably like some kind of satanic movement back there that they're like breeding them for their for their things yes so that's always in the back of your mind when you're staying at a place like that (laughs) yeah josh can you hear anything I can I can hear when you guys are talking, but I have no idea what you guys are saying. So uh, well, that's good. This is our chance, Rob. Let's just unload on Josh. We got James yeah. here to pitch in. I mean, James is James is definitely good with a shovel. Let's just start shoveling on Josh and see. See, he doesn't know. He's giving us that unsure nod. So let's just go for it. <laughs> James, I've got a yeah. James, I've got a quick question for uh-huh. you. Do you do you hunt in the fall at all? I do at least once or twice. Uh, you know, I'm going to start deer hunting before too long. Probably not this year. Uh, we've got some deer on our property now. I'm kind of watching them. And they're they're turning into pets, so I yeah. I don't know, but um, but yeah, a little bit pheasant hunting usually. Pheasant hunting, pheasant hunting nice. Do you have a bird dog? Yeah. I don't. I've got a buddy that just got one, and we'll probably go with them this year. I've That's got two Australian shepherds. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It, you don't have to deal with it. He's got to deal with it. Yeah. Well, man, James, you, uh, you've you been super enlightening on how to catch fish in the fall, but also just super entertaining, man. I see why Josh likes to travel with you. You're a, you're a pretty cool cat. I look forward to finally meeting you in person someday. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, same here, man. Yeah, we'll have to all get together. I hope Sweet. we all come out there out west one day and maybe fish a western uh, one of those uh, U.S. Opens or something. Dude, right that'd, on, be, that'd be great. That'd be awesome. Well, hey man, before you do hop off, what's uh what's the best way for people to find you? Are you hopping on the gram? Are you uh you still Facebooking? What's what's the best way to catch up with you? I'm most active on the gram and okay. it's just James Elam Fishing. Uh yeah, James Elam Fishing on uh, Instagram and also on Facebook. Uh but usually, you know, I'm posting stuff to Instagram and whatnot and the stories there and and stuff so you can follow me and keep up with you know tournaments and stuff like that on there and of course looking into next year gonna fish the bass pro tour um gonna fish heavy hitters and which was a really fun tournament last year and uh gonna look at looking forward to that one and uh also we've got red crest here in oklahoma on uh in february on grand lake which it'll be pretty tough it's tough in february here in oklahoma so there's not really a ton of um you know upper hand you know being that time of year you know I, I did grow up fishing there but uh looking forward to that and just looking forward to seeing our our season unfold next year getting all this covid stuff behind us and Amen. Uh, yes. you know, just just yeah and just ready for next year man and so those that, that's all i'm doing next year i think is just fishing major league fishing bass pro tour and those those two championships Nice, dude. Well, you're going to have a sick season. We know you're going to thump them, and uh, we can't wait to watch it, man. I yep. hope so. Good, I hope so. Good luck, James. Good luck hunting this All right, too. well, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate Thank it. Thank you. All right, buddy. Later. All right, we'll see you. All right, bye. Again, for listening to the podcast, guys. Thanks to James for coming on, and thanks to Rob and Nick for kind of getting us through that last five to ten minutes. My audio went out, and uh, the guys took the reins and uh, did a great job closing this thing up. So, um, as always, appreciate you guys listening. Hope you have a great week. Don't forget to uh, enter into our contest on on iTunes by rating and reviewing us. We're going to give away a Revo X spinning reel next week on the podcast, and uh, hope you guys have a great one.